Hello, my name is Beth Guide. In today's episode of the Internet Marketing Clinic, I wanted to take some time to continue our list on the ultimate SEO checklist that I was putting together. The first part was done at the end of July, and we are going to continue on with that. So today, although I've recently done a topic on technical SEO, I wanted to have a little bit different discussion about it. I wanted to start with explaining in depth some of the concepts that I think often get overlooked and that as a longtime SEO professional, there's some nuances to things that we do and even as far as I have trained my staff to do, but I don't know that I've ever really explained some of these things. So I wanted to take some time and go over all of that today. So the first thing that I'm going to discuss is a permalink structure in your website and what it signals. So the first thing that we need to do is understand what a permalink even is. And a permalink is something that has come up to mask what the database ID and file number is. So what I mean when I say that is when you build a website, and for those of you that have been doing this a long time, you'll have a little bit maybe better understanding of it. Um, but when you build a website and you say you want it to call a web page, that page is actually represented by something like search, question mark, equals, and then a number. Or like something like WordPress, their page numbers are uh, P equals a number. So when I see that, and if I'm a search engine, and I'm not specifically speaking of Google, but Google did find itself in this position at one point. If I'm a search engine, I always treated those question marks in a URL string as a stop point. And the reason why is because the early search engines used to get stuck in the websites when it would hit those uh, question marks and it couldn't actually get out and go to another website. So just to refresh everybody's memory, we used to use the word spider, and that's because what it did is walk along and go in multiple directions and walk a whole website, crawl it, just similar to a spider. Well, it would get stuck with those question marks. So early versions of ASP, there were uh, ways, and actually even uh, PHP, but mostly ASP was the original stop uh uh, purveyor of this, if you will, um, came along and came up with ways to mask those URLs and make them be readable. Uh, later on, PHP did it more eloquently than I think uh, ASP did it originally, uh, and the technologies to be able to do it got to be easier. So when WordPress came along, because remember, I'm talking about a pre-WordPress type world, and I'm going to have to refer to that pre-WordPress type world here in just a second again. But when WordPress came along, they put in this permalink structure, which meant I could give words and tell it replace the question mark page number equals number and re actually replace it with something that somebody would look at and understand what it said. And we'll use words to do that. So for a search engine, it was a way for them not to get stuck. Uh, and get trapped on a page. It was a way for the end user to understand that they weren't going to some strange place or understand that the page that they were going to actually had a name. 
and it was a way for everything to work together. And when I did the, when you did those things, um, the search engine also got keys because people intrinsically name files what they are. So, you know, home is named home and contact us about, and about us is contact and about us. So this was a way to mask it. So this permalink structure became a very, very important element. And from an SEO standpoint, it is, it is really required. Um, and your URLs and your permalink structures need to be built out right. And that, that's something that, you know, I, what I see is keyword stuffing in URL strings because, you know, Google will recognize it more. They give you some credit if it's in the URL and it matches the title tag. So there's some basic elements that if you do those items right, you get a leg up on somebody. But I'm going to go one step further with all of this. So let's go back to, you know, 2000, 1998, 2000, 2001. So when you would build a website prior to having these database-driven websites, you would do them with HTML files. So you would open the file, you would write the code, and you would save it as an individual file, and you would upload it to your web host provider or your, you know, web hosting and cloud hosting are pretty much the same thing. You're borrowing somebody else's uh, hardware, you're putting something up and somebody else can come and see it. So you would upload those files to your uh, web hosting provider and those were individual. They weren't, you know, uh, mass or in a database. They were literally one by one, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of files. And they were all listed there and they were all available. And as it goes, you would call those files um, when you would put a web page together. So I understand this may be some really basic stuff, but I want to, I want you to understand where I'm going with this because although we don't really build websites this way anymore, the file structure that we used to use and the upload of those files somewhat is still present in the per present permalink system. And if you don't actually understand what you're looking at and why it's this way, you don't really do it right. You just do it the way it's quote unquote suggested. So I'm trying to give you guys some understanding. So when you would set up a web page, um, often what you would find to do is you would make an images directory and in the directory, you would put all the images for the website. So when I would want to call an image out of that directory, I would say, uh, SEO 411 forward slash images forward slash image 123.jpg or SEO.jpg because I actually believe you should name your image files um, SEO, you know, keywords or descriptive terms so people know what they are uh, and not just image 123. Okay, so let's let's just go with images forward slash image.jpg. So that would be the path to that particular file. I may decide that I was going to build in a product directory. So my URL and I might make a folder in my web hosting uh, account that was called products that I could take all the products and put them in that directory. And that would, that would be a representation. And then inside products, I may open that and say, um, I'm going to put tennis court lights, I'm going to put parking lot lights, I'm going to put outdoor lighting, and I'm going to put barn lighting. 
So the URL strings would be seo411.com forward slash products forward slash tennis courts and in the tennis court directory all the tennis court items would appear. What you were doing was setting up a structure of files so that there was an organization to them. And we do this today. I, I, I would think everybody does this somewhat on their own computers now. You may put a folder and call it taxes, and in there you put all your personal taxes. Or you may um, have a, a folder for your dog because your dog had to go to the vet. So you have you know a folder, and the folder's called the dog name, and you put all the files in there. So you're able to find them. The interesting part of this and the way this all really kind of started was when the search engine, and again, I'm pre-Google, so understand Google adopted these prop, these policies, but I am pre-Google. When you, Google would, well, when a search engine would look at the URL string, it would see products, it would see the word tennis courts, and it would make the assumption that if you're going to make a directory called tennis courts, you are not going to put pots and pans in that directory. That it's pretty much going to be about tennis courts. So when these permalinks came along, the natural inclination was to just accept whatever was in the line, put in a few keywords, and move forward. I'm also going to come back in time as well and say that the main guts of a website, the main pages of a website, if you were, would always be on what would be the top level. So it would be the main folder name. So again, I use the word products. Um, but it may be I'm an accountant, and so my files say bookkeeping, QuickBooks, small business taxes, mid-sized IRS letters. That might be all the things that I put on my top level. And because I didn't put them in a directory, on my web host provider that when so Google would look at that and the search engines would look at that and say well these must be the most important pages because they're not nested and organized into other files so as SEOs back in those days we knew that when we uploaded files or we set up a website that we would take the items that were the most important and make sure that they were on the top level. Now, for somebody like me, I might have 150 files on the top level because they're all important. If I'm going to take the time to write the page, they're all going to be important. And I knew I was sending that signal out by not putting them in directories and structures and organizing that I was signaling that these were more important. So I would not put those items in. What's interesting, though, is that that premise and practice is still out there. I don't know that people actually think about this a lot or they even they even consider it. I mean, I think some of us older people know it. But when I build a permalink in 2020, I take that permalink and I apply the same things to it. And I tend not to nest things together unless I want to build a silo. Okay? So what I mean by that is, um, let's look at something like uh, that would be, I'll, I'll relate it to the United States of America. 
So if I was going to build pages on the United States of America, I might talk about the revolution. I may talk about the industrial revolution. I may talk about the civil war. Um, I may talk about farming. I might talk about industry. I may talk about, um, when we get to the, you know, the 20, uh, the 20th century, you know, some of the things that the advent of the computer, the advent of the television, I might have all top levels of pages that talked about that. But when I got to the, the States, I might then build many websites over the States. Now, what I didn't say is go buy another domain and put them all under domains or subdomains. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is doing is let's say, we have bethguide.com forward slash Alabama, forward slash California, forward slash uh, New York, um, and then forward slash New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey, so let's use New Jersey because I probably know its geography almost you know, is that good. So what I might do then is say New Jersey. I might say North Jersey, Central Jersey, South Jersey. And I might break the states up into that, that level. And then in North Jersey, I might take the, the counties um, and, and put them there underneath that. So we would have Passaic County, Bergen County, Essex, you know, something, something along those lines. Um, I then might come down and put inside um, North Jersey, and I go into Passaic County, and I would say Patterson, Wayne, um, and start West Patterson, Little Falls, and I would start listing the towns and the subtowns within that. What I'm basically doing by taking that and building that type of structure into my website, I'm basically putting together a hierarchy that Google. And because now really that's the only game in town other than Bing, but Google now starts to understand. So it understands that I'm nesting these pages and these pages become dependent on each other. Now where you guys see this is Yoast has their cornerstone content uh, piece, which sort of, um, you know, lets you set a page and then all the pages that are attached to that you would you would you would label it that way so that they knew this was an important page and that you would have links pointing back to it. When I teach structure with this um, and teach just the structure without talking about the actual permalink itself, I talk about setting up a page and then having other pages underneath it that support it that point back to the main page. You may or may not do that within the permalink structure. And I, I think that most people don't think about t the, the, the link that they're building. It depends on what I'm doing on whether I want to nest that or not. But often, like if I was using my state example that I just gave you, I would, I would build the URL string out to stay, you know, uh, forward slash states, forward slash New Jersey, forward slash North Jersey, forward slash Passaic County, forward slash Wayne. So I've got about seven directory, what do I have, five or six directory structures in that sentence I just said. Rather, maybe I need to take Passaic County or the state of New Jersey and not put it in a directory of states and not put it in a directory of counties 
in my permalink only and list it that way. So there becomes different things and you may want to override the URLs that are built in the permalink program that you're using. I'll also tell you that some of the WordPress page tools adopt how you structure your pages. So if I take a page and I say the page lives under another page, that's how it builds the permalink structure if you don't override it. What I'm suggesting here is that in each permalink that you build, you need to decide how important is that permalink, how, or not the permalink itself, how important is that page that you're building, and how close to the root does it need to be. And if it's a top-ranking term, even though it should be three levels deep, I might suggest bringing that all the way back out to the top level so that um, somebody understands it. Again, let's take another travel and direct uh, discussion. If I was building a site for Italy, when I got to things like Venice or Rome, where those are some of the more popular places that people go, I might take the Rome page and move it up to the top level so I give that signal back out to Google that that's one of the most important pages on the website because there is a wait for that. Now, I'm sure people out there would argue with this, but I think the thing is that they have not been around the, the development or the evolution of where we came to when we built base HTML files to where we live now when we live with these CMS systems that are places like WordPress, um, that you can set the path even though the path is not real. So understand things that you want to rank for always should be on what is the top level. Regardless of how you structure or organize or put things together, understand that when you build the permalink, you're building um, in that permalink build, there is a nod towards what is and what isn't the most important items. So I want to, that's the first topic that I wanted to cover in this is building an SEO friendly URL is not just building a URL with keywords in it. It's how do you structure it? Where does it fall? And how does it place in your URL string? Um, it's a little reminiscent, if you will, of everybody, the light clicked on for everybody that they said, oh, if I use an H1 tag, which is a really old uh, school HTML code designation for, hey, this is the most important headline on a page, Google's going to actually read that and understand it. Well, the permalink structure is kind of the same thing. It's baked into all of this. I just think it gets overlooked, and I don't really ever hear a lot of people talking about it. And I think it's because nobody really thinks about or remembers the days that the closer you were to the root, the more important the page was. So um, that's the first thing that I want to talk about. And that's not a, yeah, I mean, I talked 20 minutes on how to build a, a permalink. So that tells you how, how important this is and how different or how in-depth it should be on that. Next thing I'm going to talk about is you see this thing that says install SSL uh, and make your website HTTPS. And they use the word secure quite a bit. And 
I think, first of all, when you use the word secure, it can be a little bit disingenuous. Um, I think that it's a little bit, um, it's misleading because it sounds like if I make my website secure, nobody can hack into it. And that's not actually what's happening. So let's first of all talk about that. So what the HTTPS does, think about it as a light socket when you plug into something, okay? So um, when I plug into a light socket, I get something back out of it. It's a way to connect to a server. When I make a call to a website, I can either plug in direct, which is not, not secure, or I can plug in and have it secure. But what that is, is it means that the data and the packets that are traveling between the two points are encrypted. It doesn't mean somebody's not going to be able to hack you. It doesn't mean your website's more locked, locked down. It just means that the data that's exchanged between the two points is encrypted and it has to when it's sent out it's sent out with a key and the only person that can decode it is the person that was given the key when they made the initial connection so this idea of calling something secure is a little bit confusing i think to the end user so so let's look back at where that is and why we are here today okay so um when um Back in again, talking about uh, two, uh, 20, or excuse me, um, uh, the year 2000, 1999, uh, when you wanted to make a website secure or uh, something secure, usually you were doing it um, as part of collecting a credit card number or collecting a social security number. Uh, it really was not applicable to your picture of your grandchild or the color of your eyes. So for the longest time, the only time you would make that call to an SSL to make that connection to that particular socket on the server is when you were going to transmit some material that was uh, top secret, if you will, for lack of a better way to say it. And... As the internet marched forward, um, Google got hauled into court, and I and I think, in my opinion, this is a piece of how this has all evolved. So just understand, this is kind of how we got there. Do I think that I need a picture of me and my dad scrambled and encoded and encrypted so some person can't see that picture? No, I don't think I need to do that. Do I think a credit card number, a social security number, or other vital information needs to be scrambled? Yes, I do. Okay, so let's kind of start with where I am. I think it uses um, additional resources to process the SSL, which even though the computers are way better than they were in 99, it still does have to, you know, do a little bit of work. Um, the other thing it does is also makes a call slower. So there is a split second that that stuff has to be encoded. So as Google is pushing this, everything needs to load fast, intrinsically the, the actual art of encrypting the files takes an extra little second. And I mean, we're talking nanoseconds here, but they're, they're all talking about nanoseconds on loads and time to first paint and all the other things they talk about. 
Um, the other thing is that if it's not necessary, I kind of am sort of saying why do it. Um, but let's see why Google went down the road to aggressively pursue everybody on the planet to be quote-unquote secure. They lost a privacy lawsuit in Europe, and in that privacy lawsuit, what they said is, what was said to them is that they're transmitting personal data in an unsecure manner. So what does that mean? First of all, I think it kind of meant that the judge didn't understand how the internet worked, because they really are not taking your personal information um, in the manner that they say they are, you know, that the judge said they were. It's not like they know your name, they know your address, and they know what you're looking at. You're assigned a number, and those numbers are matched up. They don't know who those numbers belong to. But I think that they came up with this idea that we're going to make everything over SSL so that we are not in trouble for transmitting personal data in an unsecure manner. So they aggressively went out to everybody and said, first of all, we're going to put warnings on websites that are not secure. And without the general public really understanding that, they put these big scary warnings on things that says this website might not be secure. When really all it is is, you know, um, somebody's wedding site. So to go look at pictures of a wedding, do I really have to do that securely? So this is that, that problem, and it was to their benefit. So what they did is they offered everybody credit in the search engines for making websites secure. And they rewarded that behavior. And in the last couple of weeks, oddly enough, I keep getting people coming to me that still don't have a secure website. So I don't really understand how and why that's even possible in 2020, because it's just an accepted fact that this must be done that way. But here's the thing that caused a problem, and all of us that have been around for 20 years, we have this problem more than anybody, and I don't think that the credit that they give us for this is enough because of how and what it kind of has caused. But it's been a while now, so there's not a lot of penalty for it. There's not a lot of, it's, they're not going to go back and change it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So... What I'm talking about is, and this is going to kind of segue into something else here, but I, I need you to understand this as well. When you uh, go to, I'm trying to think how's the best way to explain this to you. So first of all, we need to understand that a call to HTTP, which is the old insecure way, when you call that website up, it theoretically can have different content on it than HTTPS because they're two different URLs and they're done in two different ways. So let's start with that first. And in fact, from the server side of it, the HTTPS files lived in one directory and the HTTP files lived in a different directory. They're actually served out of two different directories. Um, some of the newer servers have combined them, but the older servers, they were actually split in two directories. So let's start with that. So understand, I can have two different sets of content. 
The next problem that I see in all of this is the way you button up your backlinks. Um, and what I mean when I say that is this. First of all, understand that www.domain.com and domain.com are actually two different things. Um, and when you reference that out in the world, you need to pick a position and stay with it. And, and what I mean when I say that is, if I was going to start a website from the ground up right now, I would do it without the www. And every time I reference my domain, I would reference it as whatever it is, domain.com. So it would be HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash domain.com, no www. Um, the other thing in this discussion that I want everybody to understand is that your average web browser defaults to unsecure. To this day, HTTP is the default on every browser in the world. It does not default to HTTPS first. And the reason that's important is because there needs to be redirects put in on servers and they need to be done right. Uh, if you have never used HTTP, uh, you're okay to use HTTPS and never have a problem. Um, if you had a website prior to this, you'll need to button that piece up and make sure that you have a 301 redirect of non-secure to secure. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, the chances are the control panel on at your hosting company has taken care of the problem for you. So there is a lot of um, automation to this process because we're now several years past where Google said everybody had to do this. So a lot of the control panels have it built in. But I'm talking to websites that have a much longer history in all of this. The other thing is... If you use www or if you use www long term and that's what you did, you need to try to stick with that and make sure that you um, utilize that for your link profiles. Because again, www and non-www are two different websites. So you have to make sure you have your 301s in there right on that. They're just not interchangeable. The other thing that I've seen which I think this is these are people misconfiguring and they don't even know they've misconfigured. Um, there are some people out there in this world that have a website set and they use domain.com, but they created a redirect loop on www. www should be a C name, um, not necessarily a 301 redirect. So... Um, just understand that you probably should do that more with a C name record than redirecting it to the main route uh, because you do create you can create a redirect loop if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so there is that also. The reason I'm saying all of this is because the 301 redirects that you do on your domains, you need to know what you're doing with them because when you do this trick with the HTTPS, you basically are shutting off those other items that were HTTP and if you don't redirect them what ends up happening is you lose part of your link profile. So you need to be consistent in your link profile um, and use HTTPS 
and then decide whether you're going to use www. On SEO 411, I use SEO, uh, the www every time I put it in somewhere. I never do it as a naked SEO 411 without the www. And the reason why is that domain is so old. Uh, it goes all the way back to 2003. So it's coming up, oddly enough, it's coming up on almost 20 years here. Um, there is so many links out there that are www it just made sense to adopt that and then stick with it so my link profile everything i do is www.seo411.com and then i don't have to run the risk of breaking my link profile i don't run the risk of not 301ing things right um and um i don't have those problems so this is a whole long way to say yes do the SES, the ssl part of this but I'd also be very careful about how I do the 301 redirects or remember that I need to do them because I see, I see them not done. I see them done wrong. I see all these problems and they're not only just done by Joe Average that has no idea or doesn't know all these. I see SEO companies doing this and I feel like they should know better, but I think some of them don't have the technical skill so as a result, or the understanding of a ser of servers like 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 we do, I mean, owning a hosting company and owning a marketing company, we end up being the total package and can handle the the technical end of it. Versus, but that's a rare find. So you've got to, if you're just a regular consumer listening to this, you need to make sure that you understand what's happening with HTTPS. You need to make sure you have HTTPS, which is the base technical piece of this. But you also need to make sure that you set all the redirects up right so that you have one consolidated URL that all links that point to your website all dead end into one place, which you have to decide whether it's HTTP or, or, or excuse me, if it's www or non-www. But... Once you make that decision, then you need to make sure that you are consistent with it. And then any leakage, you need to make sure you button up with a 301 redirect. So I understand that's pretty conf confusing, but these are places that I see people, they spend, the, they spend the money with an SEO company or not mine, but they spend the money with an SEO company, but yet they don't know enough to know that they even have this problem. And I don't even know that some of these SEO guys are old enough to even know that some of this is even out there or the whys and the wheres and the hows. So, um, although that is, I mean, I guess some people know it, but anyway, so not that I'm picking on anybody. I don't want anybody to think I'm picking on you. I just want you to understand that that's why this is, and that's what it's all about. Um, I'm also going to tell you to make sure that you understand no follow and that you're using it properly because that's another thing that I keep seeing now is that uh, people are using no follow links um, and they don't use them properly and they're telling Google not to index their entire website. So I, I keep running into that circumstance as well because people don't actually know what they're doing with that. Uh, and they've utilized it and utilized it wrong. There is a setting in WordPress. Understand there's a setting in WordPress. Make sure that you do not turn it on because otherwise they will not index your entire website. Um, the, the only thing that I would say that you need to really consider is to make sure that the comment section, so if you're running a website, um, 
and you accept comments, make sure on the comments that you are not um, not allowing a follow on those because uh, that you're eking power off your website by allowing that. So make sure that you the only thing you really should know follow is your comments. So just make sure you know about that part of it. Um, the other thing is, as I'm talking about all these uh, issues with 301s and non-301s and where do things go and, and stuff like that, remember that Google Search Console has a whole report of that stuff in there and that you should be looking at it. I look at the excluded pages. I actually like that they added excluded pages, to be honest with you. Not that I like the fact that they're excluding pages, but I like the fact that they're actually letting me know that they're excluding them because I need to go in and make a determination on why pages are being excluded. And sometimes it's redirect problems like we're talking about that they weren't set up right. Sometimes I can look at a page and see that they excluded it because it's from 2012 and it has 400 words on it and it's about as thin as thin can be. So it helps me clean up my website just by understanding the pages that they've excluded. And sometimes I just leave it, you know, because I do have a 15-year-old website. So, you know, if I have a website that's that, that old, yes, I'm going to have content that's not going to be up to today's standards. Some people are saying go in and rework the page. And you can do that, but here's why where the determination would be for me. If I have no links to that page and that page really has no real speakable value, but from an archive sentence, um, you know, we've got all of this going on. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be, a, it's going to be um, a situation that I'm going to make sure that I know why something is, um, excluded. So I just I just want you to understand that part of it as well. So there's a there's a second piece to this that um, you need to follow through Google Search Console and make sure that you're using that as well. Um, the other thing speaking of Google Search Console is make sure that you're submitting your sitemaps please because that's another thing I keep running into is people the previous SEO company did not submit a sitemap to Google for the website. So it doesn't know um, know what's what. So we have that that piece on it. Um, the other thing in all of this discussion that I was talking about pages and page names, make sure that you define what your canonical page is. What is the base page? So if you have all these duplicate variants of www, non-www, uh, non-SSL, with SSL, all of these variants, say what the canonical is so that way Google understands that you only really have one page and it has all these um, stupid... Um, redirects or notices in to say why you have all these versions of all these pages. So that's that story. Um, that And that's an important little side note. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about in all of this is to make sure that you start to understand and how to use schema. So I know sometimes people talk about technical SEO and they talk about it um, in 
H1s, H2s, some basic on-page tips. But I'm trying to give an advanced, advanced overview of this. Everybody should be looking at AMP. Everybody should be looking at schema code. Um, and there's some really good plugins out there that'll help you do that if you don't know how. But you need to make sure that you have review code on your pages. You need to make sure that you're um, adding whether they're articles or whether they're uh, blog posts. There's some what if you include an FAQ, make sure that you add it and make sure that it's put together right. So I'm gonna give a whole class on schema at some point here. Um, but just make sure that as you do that, that the structured data information is in your pages because Google's looking for it. And if you have it, you're going to get a whole lot further than if you don't have it. So just understand that that's, that's a piece out there as well. Um, and last but not least, I'm going to say make sure that you're optimizing your images and your file sizes on your images because, again, Google's coming along with these core vitals and what they're looking for and speed and time to first paint and all these things that they may not be common terms to you now, but it's coming. Um, your Google's or uh, WordPress has done a good job in helping compress things, but here's what you don't do: go download an image from Shutterstock, upload the image, put it in your page, it looks good, and walk away. You need to pay attention to what the file size is. And a little trick with the file size is you can upload it in its raw. It will shrink it down for you in WordPress, and then if you just scale it just a little bit, it'll recompress it all. So you should be able to, even if you're not a Photoshop wizard at this point, if your hosting company has um, enough, uh, they allow the processing power involved in this, um, which we do, so that I'm going to just kind of basically say that we do that. Um, Everything that you do should be able to be done within the image editor inside WordPress to shrink those files. So there is no more excuse to have a one or a two meg file for your header or for uh, some banner you put up because you should be able to put it up and it should be able to shrink it down. So um, those are the kind of the things that I wanted to talk about. I do have a video out that'll go with this. I just didn't think I did it as fluid for the podcast. So I've, I've retaped the podcast and hit the pieces about it that I wanted to hit. So it is a little shorter than what we normally do. Um, but this is, this is what we have. And, uh, Next week, um, I will be re releasing the schedule for all the classes. I want to tell you that I am going to start into talking about domain authority, and we're going to start doing some work on talking about uh, EAT uh, over the next month, too, because I think we need to start getting in a habit where we understand that we have to have authority, and Google has to trust us and trust what we say to know that we're real people for us to be able to get a reasonable ranking. So um, I am going to start into that. So that's something to look forward to. Everybody have a good uh, rest of your August. Uh, and I will talk to everybody first week of September. Again, Beth Guide with SEO 411. And we'll talk to you soon.